Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, who's the next Caleb McGarry for the Falcons? How active will the Hawks be in free agency? And Pro Football Focus has their quarterback rankings. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On Sports uh, Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, to check us out on the Sirius XM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So who is in line to be the next Kayla McGarry? And, and where I quantify this is saying that Who's the next breakout star for the Falcons, right? Kayla McGarry obviously had struggles and issues his first three years in the league, right? And then as they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, it all came together for him, right? He had an outstanding year, one of the highest-graded tackles in the NFL, right? One of the best run-blocking tackles in the NFL. They played to his strengths, and everything came together. So if I'm looking to say, Who's going to be the next Caleb McGarry because of that breakout season? I know there's a lot of candidates because certainly a lot of these guys are on one-year schedule, you know, ca- uh, contracts and different things like that. I'm going to go with Jeff Okuda, and, and here's a couple of reasons why. One is Okuda, when healthy, did play pretty well, but obviously injuries have defined Jeff Okuda's career. So it defined his tenure in Detroit. And obviously, if he can get himself healthy, I'm really hoping that we get the chance to see the guy who was the number three overall draft pick, the guy coming out of Ohio State that was the best cornerback in the draft. Now, obviously, A.J. Terrell has been the babe, the boy, as far as probably the best corner in that draft and certainly has played like it. So if Jeff Okuda can get up to that kind of level, Now we've got something, right? And again, while Okuda did play well when he was when he was kind of healthy, you know, he's probably going to play a with a chip on his shoulder because he was traded from the team that drafted him number three overall. And you don't normally see a guy get traded like that even in his rookie contract that was that high of a draft pick. So there's probably a little bit of a chip there on his shoulder just from the idea of, okay, the Lions gave up on me. They didn't They didn't want me. They looked at me and said that, you know, again, I was expendable. Now, the other part of this, too, is obviously he's playing for a contract, right? So he wasn't eligible for the fifth-year option because of the trade and the fact that the Lions picked up part of his salary. He wasn't eligible to get the fifth-year option. So that was off the table completely when the Falcons made that deal. So while, again, I I know a lot of guys probably have mixed emotions about the fifth-year option because on one hand, it's still early in your career and it's a guaranteed amount of money, but you'd like to think if you've played four years, you can get to that second contract. That's what McGarry did, right, (coughs) where they parlayed it into that second contract and he got paid for it, you know, albeit maybe not 
what market value was, but he certainly got a big chunk of money, certainly much better than what his rookie contract is. So I think the fact that he's playing with a chip on his shoulder just to try to prove his old team wrong, I think the fact that he's going after a contract, and look, that may or may not be with the Falcons. The Falcons may end up looking at him and saying, okay, he played pretty well for us, but he's just going to price himself out of the marketplace. Or, you know, maybe he decides that, hey, I love Atlanta. I love playing with A.J. Terrell. They're building a winner down here. Maybe he takes the same kind of deal that a Caleb McGarry took. But this is all predicated on the idea that he steps his game up and he becomes what we thought was going to be from the number three overall draft pick. I do like the fact, you know, just look, here's a young, talented, hungry guy. And I love the deal that we made for him. I mean, we gave up fish heads and rice to get him. And the Lions are picking up part of his salary. So he's less than a $4 million cap hit for us this year. So I just think that when you look at all of the different things that surround Jeff Okuda, I think he's the next guy to be that breakout candidate. I think he's the next guy. Now, let me say this. There's a difference between who I think is going to be the breakout candidate and who it needs to be. Now, why do I say that? Because I think Jeff Okuda can be the breakout candidate for the Atlanta Falcons. The breakout candidate, though, needs to be Arnold Epicady. He needs to be the breakout player. A lot will be determined about how good our defense is at getting and sacking the quarterback based upon Arnold Epicady. Well, we've got all these different pass rushers. Okay, you, you, you've got guys that in Caden Ellis that we don't know what we're going to get. Are we getting the first three years? Are we getting the, the, the this past season? Calais Campbell isn't going to play 60% of the snaps for this team. He's a year older, and he's not going to play the number of snaps. Can he give you the same production? Obviously, I love his production, <clears throat> but can it be the same playing less snaps at a year older? Well, I don't know. We'll see. Onyemata, okay, maybe he's not Maybe he's not necessarily a sack guy. He's Again, he peaked at five, so I, I don't know how much you know higher his ceiling is as far as accumulating sacks. And then Carter. Carter's a guy who, what, had three, three and a half sacks for us last year? Okay, he probably doesn't play the same number of snaps that he did. The one guy who's in line to see an increase in his snaps and obviously see an increase in his starts is Arnold Abicati. And that's the guy that will dictate a lot of our pass rush. So when I say who I think the breakout candidate is going to be, that's different from who needs to be the breakout candidate. Because Arnold Ebicati has to be that guy that can play on one side of the edge of the you know defensive line and get after the quarterback and put him on the ground. And we talk about this all the time, right? I mean, I, I'm not going to go through all the numbers and things like that again. But sacking the quarterback and the importance of it in today's NFL. It's, it's again... I've, I've, I've proven that it's it's m certainly much more important than a lot of people definitely think. But again, we'll not get into all of that discussion. But still, Eva Katie has to be the guy that breaks out. Now, do I think that Eva Katie can be a consistent eight or 10 sack kind of player? I don't know. 
I don't know. I, again, as the Ghostbuster said, we are ready to believe you. I'm ready to see it, and I'm ready to believe in Ebicady. <clears throat> Obviously, his one big production game came when he had a chance to start last year, and it was funny because, you know, again, we talked about Odie Agandeji, um last week on the show and just the kind of poor year that he had. Well, when Ebicady had his only chance to start, Ebicady did some good things in that game. But we're going to certainly see Ebicady start a lot more, play a lot more, play a lot more high volume of snaps. And if he makes that kind of leap that we expect, and, you know, even Richie Grant had a definite leap from year one to year two, right? Where he was only playing about 20% of the snaps in year one, played about, what, 92% of the snaps or something like that in his second year and did some good things. Now, I need more production out of Arnold Ebicady. I need I need much more out of him than that. I need not just good play, but I mean, he needs to get the quarterback on the ground. So do I think he can be a consistent eight or 10 sack guy? Time will tell. Time will tell. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I certainly hope that this happens, but I do have my doubts and reservations. So if we're talking about who needs to have that breakout season, it's Arnold Ebicady. Who's the player that I think that is in line to have that kind of season? I think it's Jeff Okuda. And we'll see whether or not Jeff Okuda works himself into a good contract the same way that McGarry did. And maybe it won't be here. Maybe it won't be in Atlanta. Maybe it will be somewhere else. But if we can squeeze some juice out of that lemon, even for just a year, Falcons will be a much better defense for it. All right, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Listen, Built Bar is getting you some healthier snacks, whether you go with traditional protein bars or the protein-infused marshmallow puffs. Built Bar has got you covered for taste, texture, always coming out with new flavors each and every month. But now you have multiple ways that you can buy Built Bar. So you can go to Built.com, check out their wide selection of menus, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, with the whopping 17 grams of protein in each bar. Check out their wide selection of items that are on that menu on the webpage. And then order your Built Bars. Get them shipped to your house, directly to your house. You don't have to fuss, no muss, don't have to go anywhere. But if you want to go to the store and pick up a box of Built Bars immediately, now you can go to the pharmacy section of Walmart or to Sam's Club. So whether you go the brick-and-mortar route, going out to the store, buying your box of Built Bars directly, or if you want from the comfort of your home to go to Built.com and buy your box of Built Bars, Built Bars have got you covered either way. Great taste, great quality, great snacks, high uh, high protein, but low calorie, low carb, low sugar. Built Bars got you covered now at Walmart or on Built.com. So how active will the Atlanta Hawks be in free agency? You know, Honestly, if you look at the number of contracts that the Hawks have, Young's under contract, Collins, Capella, Hunter, Bogey, Murray, uh, Okongwu, A.J. Griffin, Sadiq Bey, Jalen Johnson, Bruno Fernando, there really aren't any free agents that are um, on the Hawks roster right now. And, and they've moved on from some of their contracts, right? The, the Aaron Holidays and Frank Kaminsky's of the world, right? So I don't think that the Atlanta Hawks are going to be an active free agent team. I think what they are going to be, though, is an active trade team. Because when you don't have any roster spots, 
I, I there's you're not going to sign any kind of high caliber free agents. And not only that, but we're already nine million dollars into the luxury tax. And, and again, this is the big question about what direction we're going to go. <clears throat> what direction are we going to be? Are we going to be a luxury tax team or are we not going to be a luxury tax team? I had Lauren Williams, the beat writer for the Hawks on the show last night. She still does not think that we're going to be a luxury tax team. Now, one is I question the ability to get better if we're not going in the luxury tax. I don't understand how slashing payroll or cutting salaries makes you a better team. And, and when it comes to we're less than a month away from the NBA draft, that player that's selected at 15, that player is going to the G League. That, that guy's going to go directly to the G League. Do not pass go and collect $200. That player is going right to the G League. Because at this point, there's so many young players on this roster. It's the opposite problem of what we had a couple few years ago, right? Where Nate McMillan didn't want to play any of the young guys and, you know, they weren't getting any time and they were stuck down in the G League, right? <clears throat> now we've got too many young, young guys. You know, Sadiq Bay is still a really young player. Forget about Trey and all these guys that, you know, are, are, are starters. Sadiq Bay is still a young player. Jalen Johnson's a young player. A.J. Griffin is a young player. So the first thing is the draft pick is going right to the G League. He's going right down to College Park, and that's where his home is going to be because you're not going to find him any minutes. But I think while the Hawks are going to be active in the trade market, they will not be active in the free agent market. The only way that the Hawks are active in the free agent market is if they do some kind of package deal where it's a two for one, three for one, you know, if they give up two or three assets to get somebody back in return, then that will open up a roster spot for the Hawks. That will open up a spot. But even then I'm not convinced that they're going to spend a whole lot of money. They will be active in the trade market. They will be active as far as changing up the dynamic of this roster but there's really not players to go out and add. There's really not spots on the roster to go out and start improving players, right? And not only that, but again, the money aspect of it. I mean, if we're not going to go waist deep in the luxury tax, not, not dip our toe, but we go waist deep in the luxury tax. And this is what will be fascinating is because if if we see trades and, and this happened at the all-star break, right? At the at the trade deadline, you know, one of the byproducts, yes, we did get Sadiq Bay and we got a couple pieces right at the trade deadline, but the Hawks also slashed payroll at the trade deadline. That was kind of the byproduct of of what the Hawks did is that yeah, they got some they got a you know a better player in Sadiq Bay and they improved their roster, but we also slashed payroll with Holiday and with Kaminsky. And so if the Hawks are going to get in the mix for trades, I, I don't think that they are going to trade just for the sake of trading, right? Like, so for instance, they're not going to just trade to acquire expiring contracts on this roster. I mean, that's what the, that's what the teams that are rebuilding and reloading, that's what they do. You trade a good player and you get back junk on contracts, right? You get back um, Chris Humphreys or Jeremy Lin because they're on expiring contracts and you'll have money to be freed up for the next year, right? In, in the following season, the following summer, now you're going to have money to spend. <coughs> Hawks are not in that mode right now. 
Hawks are trying to build a winner. Hawks are trying to get themselves advanced in the playoff picture. This is not, you know, finding, you know, finding more salary for guys to, to spend money on. They've spent money on their guys. They've spent money on Capella and Collins and Hunter, right? And obviously Trey Young is a super max guy. They've spent their money. Now, if they don't sign DeJounte Murray, now we've got a whole nother, you know, can of worms that's going to be opened up. If they don't offer an extension to Murray, that will be a different scenario. And, and again, I want to see DeJounte Murray work through the summertime with Trey and all these guys and get their coaching and all this good stuff. I want to see all of that develop. But I will tell you, outside of Trey Young, I've said this before on the show, outside of Trey Young, there's not there's nobody who's safe from being traded. Trey Young's the only guy that's not going to get traded in this whole scenario. Everybody else, including DeJounte Murray, including John Collins, Capella, Hunter, everybody else is fair game. And if you have to package one of those young guys together in a deal that gets you a really high caliber player, then they'll do that. But outside of Trey, who they really want to build around, and I think they still want to build around DeJounte Murray, I probably Murray is probably the number two untouchable guy. But again, he's coming into the final year of his contract. If you get the right deal in place for Murray, you got to take advantage of it. So I don't think that the Hawks are going to have really because of roster limitations and just the idea of adding more salary. I don't see that the Hawks are going to be any kind of player in free agency. You know, we'll see a lot of these deals get done and Woj will drop bombs and, you know, we'll have something late on a Sunday night, right? A random Sunday night in the NBA. And all of a sudden a Woj bomb hits and guys are signing, you know, big time contracts. I think the Hawks will be really active in the trade market. I just don't think that they're going to be active at all in free agency. All right. Once you make hitting hard with John Chuck, where you first listen, be sure to go in and leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener. So whatever platform that you're listening on, let us know that you're an everyday, or as we like to say, that you listen in five days a week to the show. We thank you greatly for being a part of our community, a little bit more than a year old now. So we thank you so much for all the growth and everything that's going on with the uh, shows uh, on the Lockdown uh, Podcast Network. So we thank you, but let us know that you're an everyday listener, as we call them, our everydayers, that you listen in five days a week. So Pro Football Focus has their quarterback rankings, ranking all 32 starting quarterbacks. And I thought that this was interesting because, all right, there's no interest as far as Pat Mahomes is number one, okay, Josh Allen, two, all right, Joe Burrow, three, Justin Herbert, four, A.A. Ron, five. Okay, again, you know, I I don't know that there's much debate about all of that, but okay, I mean, so maybe you could debate something about uh, the top of that. But here is, here is starting at quarterback number 25 in the NFL, in their rankings, okay? At 25, Bryce Young. 26, Jordan Love, 27, Sam Howell, 28, Baker Mayfield, 29, Colt McCoy, because obviously Kyler Murray is not set to be returning just yet, so McCoy will open up as the starter for the Arizona Cardinals. C.J. Stroud at number 30, Anthony Richardson at number 32, and at 31, 
Desmond Ritter. Now, here's what their write-up says. There was little we saw from Ritter last season to suggest he will approach even average play at the position. Marcus Mariota played his way to the bench with his performance, and Ritter was simply the young quarterback in line for reps. He posted a 68.5% adjusted completion rate and had two turnover-worthy plays to three big-time throws. He also recorded just 136 dropbacks, so it would be a stretch to draw any concrete conclusions. Now, the problem that I have with this with this list is you've got multiples of young rookie quarterbacks that, I mean, if, if you say Desmond Ritter doesn't have any sort of body of work, what kind of body of work does C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young have and Anthony Richardson? What, what 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 body of work do any of those players have? Now, Richardson obviously is the one guy that's below Desmond Ritter, but you can't cr- criticize Desmond Ritter and say that he doesn't have the body of work when you have two rookie quarterbacks that are ahead of him. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But is Desmond Ritter really a lower-tier quarterback than Colt McCoy, Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, Jordan Love? Like, there's a lot of unknown in that group of quarterbacks, just like Desmond Ritter. We could talk about Desmond Ritter and the great unknown, but what do we know about Sam Howell and Jordan Love? What instantly tells us that those guys are going to be better? So, look, this is the reality. Desmond Ritter doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to be A.A. Ron or Pat Mahomes for us to win games, right? I don't think he's just going to be a game manager for us, but he's going to be slightly above that. He's going to be a step or so above that. And obviously, look, he doesn't have to carry the whole brunt of the offensive load. He doesn't have to be Pat Mahomes for us. He's got to be steady. One is he's got to not be a turnover machine like Marcus Mariota. You know, Marcus Mariota was a turnover machine for this team. So, again, he can't be that kind of quarterback. And if he can just get us to where we're elite in the red zone with all the weapons that we have, whether that's turning and handing off, whether it's throwing it up to Pitts or London or whoever, whatever we do, we're if we're elite in the red zone, 67% or higher on our touchdown rate in the red zone, then we're going to be just fine offensively because I think that, He's not going to be a guy that turns the ball over. I've talked about this on the show. He's a winner. Say what you will, but he's one of the winningest quarterbacks in college football history playing at Cincinnati, not playing at Georgia, not playing at Florida State, not playing at Clemson or Ohio State or somebody like that. He's one of the top winningest quarterbacks playing at Cincinnati, right? So, I think it's maybe a little bit of unfairness. I can understand why that Desmond Ritter is in the spot that he he is. And there's a lot of people that don't believe in Desmond Ritter, right? There's a lot of people. I mean, you look at all of these, you look at the Chris Sims and everybody else doing all of their quarterback rankings and all this good kind of stuff. Desmond Ritter is always right at the bottom, right? Either he's the worst quarterback or he's right near the bottom. In this case, only Anthony Richardson, the ultimate project that's going to get thrown in probably before he's ready, is the only guy that ranks below him. But if Desmond Ritter can 
lead this offense, be the winner that he has been, just be that steady, calm influence at quarterback. He doesn't have to be outstanding. Okay. We'll win ball games. And, and there certainly has to be some other things that go along with that. We have to start sacking the quarterback at some point. At some point, we got to get the quarterback on the ground with the ball in his hands. Okay. We can change up that dynamic. We can be a 38 sack team. Okay. Now we can be a playoff team. So look, I think that the situation is the national media, because they don't know anything about Desmond Ritter and they only saw the four game sample, doesn't buy into him. And I can understand that. I, 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 I've got it, <clears throat> right? This is the Peter King theory again. Peter King knows more about the NFL than anybody else in the country, right? But we know more about the Atlanta Falcons because we're in tune with them every single day. You know, we go to practices and training camp and we're in tune with what is going on with the franchise. We're neck deep in involvement in the franchise and every little nuance that goes along with it. We critique and criticize and watch and analyze every single pass play that happens for Desmond Ritter, every single snap for a Desmond Ritter. So I do think that there's some unfairness in some of the rankings. Um, I guess somebody's got to be, you know, 26th or 25, or whatever like that. I mean, but I will tell you, Jordan Love hasn't done anything in the NFL. Sam Howell hasn't done anything in the NFL. Obviously, the two rookies haven't done anything in the NFL. Certainly, Baker Mayfield has been wildly inconsistent. And Colt McCoy is a guy who's just a placeholder, knowing that, okay, I'm only going to start for a few weeks until Kyler Murray gets back. So I, I understand the angst about Desmond Ritter, but I think I think the upside is there for Desmond Ritter. Do I think he's going to be Pat Mahomes or A.A. Ron or Lamar Jackson? No, I don't think he's going to be that type of quarterback. I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's ever going to be that kind of guy. But I'm counting on him that he's a winner in this organization. I'm counting on the idea that he can be a guy who leads this team to victories. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Doesn't matter how you got there. Doesn't matter what the journey is. If you win ball games, that's all that matters. When I go into ESPN.com and look at the standings page of the NFL, what's your record? That's all that matters. I click on that playoff standings button, and all that matters is where you rank amongst the other teams in your conference. Do I have enough wins to be a playoff team? Do I not have enough wins to be a playoff team? Am I winning my division? Am I not winning my division? It's all based upon how well you do as far as your performance. No Harris polls, no BCS computers, no none of that kind of stuff. It's all about where you end up at. And I think there's still upside to Desmond Ritter. And we saw him get better every single week at the end of the year. But I can understand the national media doesn't buy into Desmond Ritter. I can understand all of those things. But I think we as Falcons fans, we look at this guy and say, okay, now you've got your chance. It may not have worked out well last year and everything, but now you've got your chance to be the starting quarterback for the Falcons. Now take advantage of it. All right, we thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck where you first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever platform that you listen on to let us know that you're an everyday listener. We call them our everydayers. Certainly, we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community, but let us know that you're an everyday listener, our everydayers. We thank you so much for being a part of the show and listening in five days a week. You can follow us for free on YouTube or every listen to your podcast. 
You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the Sirius XM app, Sirius XM app. Check us out there, and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 